0: we doing i'm all right good good yeah oh we're one down again
1: we're one down he's off sick isn't he well he's actually not sick but he's he's possibly might have covid but i just saw him and he looks absolutely fine to me
0: yes he did i think he's um i I think he didn't want just in case because his parents have got it. yeah i understand that yeah. yeah yeah of course um
1: or he's just skiving off well, he, he was sitting on the sofa watching telly when I saw him. So, was he really? And, yeah, another yes. night sitting down doing nothing. Yeah,
0: right, as yeah. usual. And yeah, yeah. he's got lots of things to do for the podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah. well, um, what a great trip we had.
1: Wonderful trip. Yeah, It seems like forever ago now. Yeah. but It was only a few weeks ago. I and, know. Uh, We had a lovely time in Somerset.
0: Eh? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, enjoyed, I enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, yeah. But we're back now on home soil. Yeah. And uh yeah, we've got a guest in um tonight. Um well, jazz. Mm, as they nice. said on the Yes, <laughs> as they said on the far show. A <laughs> bass playing uh, jazz player. So Extraordinary.
1: Well, Extraordinaire, yeah. Gifted. A real engine room, very much uh, yeah, so. Yeah, very much yeah, so, yeah. so,
0: yeah. Um a long term servant with Kenny Boore, I believe. Mm. Uh, so that's a big clue out there for our yeah. listeners. Um, plays locally with a band called the Dixie Mix.
1: Yeah, which I, I actually, I saw the Dixie Mix, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe it was before COVID. And I remember clocking this guy and thinking, hmm, because obviously being a drummer, you do notice bass players. The yeah, the section, yeah, Absolutely. And I thought, oh, there's something special going on here. And he, yeah. he was driving that band like, he a, was. like a train. Absolutely. It was like,
0: wow yeah double bass player and I, I didn't know
1: even know who it was but oh. I, I i could tell there was something special going on
0: yeah he he's he's a fabulous player had a yeah. very long established career so uh, yeah ladies and gentlemen we'd like to uh, introduce mr john benson
1: it's a pleasure to have you in here on the old rockers podcast well, it's a pleasure to be here. Good. Um, um, I'm sure you have many st- stories and antidotes to tell us. You don't have to tell very...
2: me when to stop. <laughs> I,
1: know I see you brought
0: some yeah. liberation with you, John, boy.
2: Yes, but I, I don't have too much. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to go to the loo. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, John, we, um, how we start these things? Uh, with our guests um, is we normally ask we like well I'd like to ask you how did you get into music and how did you get into bass playing that, 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 was, that fascinates me and where and where originally were you from as well so it's quite a loaded question there. So.
2: yeah okay um, well I was born just after the war um, and I've got an older brother who was born just before the war yep and of course when during the war, Dale Boy. <laughs> During the war, sort of time almost stood still, so far as car manufacture and things like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was very influenced uh, by my brother. We lived in uh, North London. I went to the um, school in Muzzle Hill, uh, at a, a school adjacent to um, Rod Stewart, okay. and also Dave and. Um, the, the Kinks, Dave and his brother, right? <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray and Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. Ray Davis. Yeah, yeah. and um, it was round about the early, very early sixties. We were um, the, the three of us had uh, rhythm and blues bands. Okay, yeah. I'd already done a bit of um, rock and roll and skiffle, and just be- before that, in the early fifties, my brother bought himself a clarinet, because his, um, his mentor was uh, um, Monty Sunshine, who used to be with the... Uh, Monty what's the name Sunshine, what yeah. a name! Yeah, Great that's right, name. yeah. It was the Ken Collier band, Okay, but then it became the... Um, do you know, it's set my mind, didn't it? Anyway, <laughs> I, I'll, right. I'll carry on with it. So I had a little bit of that in okay. uh, the back of my mind to start with. Yeah, yeah. Now, whilst I was doing all this, it was the early, as I said, the early 60s, there used to be um, a big record shop in the centre of London where it was a, an electrical shop called Imhoff's, and it was in uh, New Oxford Street near the Dominion, and you went downstairs and they had a big uh, central case, if you like, full of album sleeves. And what you did, you went down there, you had a look at all the sleeves, and when there was something you were interested in, you'd take the sleeve to the counter, mm. they would entrust you with the album, and you'd go to the sound booth mm. and put it on
3: mm.
2: well, after about eight bars, oh, goosebumps come up oh because so I knew there was something about this mm. it was um it was I remember it was an orange cover with this black musician on it, okay. and it was called Soulville. And I didn't know who that was at the time, but his name was Ben Webster, and he had the Oscar Peterson Quartet accompanying him. Right. where you don't get much better in the world of jazz mm. than those guys. Right. So this is the impact it had on me.
1: Mm. How old so were you, John? This, this I
2: thing. was about um, 17, 18 mm-hmm. okay. at the time. Yeah. And um, I can remember going, going home with this and putting it on the ALBA ra- uh, radiogram <clears> and trying <throat> to play along with it. Because most of it, well, some of it was like 12 bar blues, but it became quite apparent that they were using a lot of chord inversions right. that uh, I was not familiar with, you right. see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I've, anyway, I tried this for a little while, but I didn't think I'd ever make um, uh, a respectable. Jazz guitar player, right? And in in, in any way, I wanted to play tenor saxophone right uh, Ben, you see. Right. Yeah. So, um, but because I played a guitar, which is a a stringed instrument, mm. um, I thought to myself, "Well, it shouldn't take too long to convert into to bass." No, of now, this wasn't bass guitar no. in, in my b- book it had to be a double bass for jazz. Although there were a lot of guys at the time, purely because of transportation, were changing the bass guitar. Mm. Anyway, I bought myself a double bass um, from a guy in South London, which was £185. That's a lot of
1: money. uh, It was a lot of money,
2: that's right. And um, anyway, I I threw myself in the deep end. I was playing with some... uh, fairly recognized jazz musicians fairly early on. Okay. Oh, but it struck me that I would I would probably never reach the standard required to earn a living out of playing it. Right. So I thought, well, I better get a proper job. So I went down Fleet Street, <laughs> you see, and I managed to get a job at the Daily Telegraph. I had to join that soap union to do uh, it because okay. it's a union thing, you know. Right. So I started it was in 1965, now I'm right. talking about. And um, I worked in the wages department. Well, during that time, there was a lot of music going on in, uh, in the East End. Uh, Mainly in jazz pubs and clubs. And it was pre disco, so any entertainment venue needed proper musicians to do it. So I got a lot of work playing with a trio and a, uh, you know, a compare singer and whatever. Don Wallace comes to mind, he was a a Jewish uh, uh, entertainer singer.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Great singer. So I learnt a lot of sort of Sinatra and Tony Bennett things along the line, you see. Nice. So fast-forwarding, I got married in the beginning of 69. Okay. And in the early 70s, with my wife Margaret's permission, (laughs) (laughs) I asked her if I could give music another go because I felt that I might stand a chance now. Right. And so in 1975... I left, left the telegraph, and within months I'd got a job with um, at Monty Sunshine, fair enough, who's was oh, okay. my brother's hero. Yeah, yeah. And shortly after that, I was asked by Kenny Ball to join his band right. and go out to Australia and for wow. a tour, Fantastic. which was like a six-week tour there. But we went via the Middle East for a few weeks and come back via the, the, the Far East right. uh, for a few weeks. So I was away. Right, quite, yeah. a, quite a bit I, I went During my 25 years With Kenny I went to The Antipodes um, 13 times right. You know really? Australia And New Zealand Was there
0: a good Jazz scene
2: <laughs> Oh yes And Kenny was Well known Because Kenny had um, Before I joined him He had 14 hit records In the 1960s Right um, Atta had, yeah. had a few But his Were mainly With an orchestra Right. like um, Australian yeah. yeah. Back Stranger yeah, on yeah. the shore Stranger and things like that. You see, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, all Ken's ones were, were with a band, mm. and my predecessor was on that, Vic Pitt, who, funny enough, when he left, um, and I took his place, mm. uh, which was in uh, the mid mid seventies, about seventy six, I think, and I remember saying to Margaret. Christ, Vic's done 18 years with Kenny. It's band started wow. in 1958. And I thought, well, I'll never top that. Yeah. I actually did. So I did 25 <laughs> yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. You know. Fantastic. And uh, they were halcyon days, yeah. you know. So anyway, that's briefly how I got to that stage. So, so when you
1: got the, the job um, in Fleet Street, were well, you yeah. still playing it like in the evenings? Oh, yes. So yeah. you're still playing Sometimes all that i
2: take my instrument down, we put it in the NCP car park yeah. and then go on to a gig. I'd right. even been known before to do some lunchtime gigs Right. come yeah. back. Yeah. Um, so you never stopped,
1: you, you just needed more of a solid income kind of thing.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. At that time, I was doing about six nights a week. Yeah. which was bringing me in as much money as I was earning at the Telegraph wow. because I was a computer programmer then you see right They'd, uh, I forgot to mention that but the yes. they put out aptitude tests for the, the whole of Fleet Street mm. who, who were interested could uh, could take there was 208 people who took the aptitude test eight of us passed and I was one of the lucky four who went on the programming school uh, in Greenford
1: days of computers oh you had to have a
2: whole suite of programs to do one task like an input program a print program an update program you know things like that and there was a a staff of about 50 personnel Mm. in this computer department. Yeah. It was one and a quarter million pounds. It was a status symbol for a glorified adding machine, really. <laughs> yeah. That's what it
1: so you're kind of at the cutting edge of technology then. Yeah,
2: I know I know nothing about it now. All right. In fact,
1: <laughs> I would say absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. you know. Or well, maybe you choose not to. You've got more well, interesting things to think about. Well, I always have had yeah. music. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Fantastic.
0: So, um, yeah, so British tours then, uh, If 25 years then, John. I mean, that's, that's a lot of gigs. I would oh, say. yeah.
2: Well, when I first joined the band, we were roughly doing 250 a year. Wait, really? And when you include time for travel, yes. I wasn't at home a lot. Wow. Right. Although, on the good side of things, I did sometimes see my daughter's yeah. My oldest one's 52 now. I think the young one's 40, um, uh, 44, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lose track of things. Right like that. You better yeah, get yeah. it right.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, I can, I can remember one little anecdote comes to mind. Uh, we were living in Hertfordshire in Hoddesdon, oh, yeah. and my oldest daughter was in the primary school, and the teacher knew... That uh, I was just coming back from a world tour. And as I approached the school, I caught the teacher's eye, and it was like a, an L shaped classroom. Yeah. And I walked round there, just come inside the door. And the teacher said to Abby, She said, Oh, just go around the corner there. I'm going to well up in a minute. Oh. And she ran towards me. And we embraced there. Yeah. Mm. and uh, I can remember that as if it was yesterday.
1: Oh, that's lovely. That's yeah? a nice memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it's a wonderful. Yeah. It. yeah, Yeah. That's
0: fantastic.
1: Actually, I've had similar things to that. I remember the boys came to see me playing Florida once. They all came mm. out, and um, my youngest one, Alex, uh, he was dying to get on the stage because they came as we were playing a gig. Mm. So um, he was like, Dad, 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 and I wanted to come. obviously. But you, when you're playing a gig... You can't really stop, so I had to wait till uh, we finished. But that was a wonderful thing. Yeah, they all that's turned that's, up. Yeah, that's a great thing. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, that was lovely. Nice memories to have. Oh, indeed, though. yeah. And They yeah. stay with you for life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's lovely. So, uh, so at this time you were very, very busy. I mean, <laughs> so was this? Were you doing tours of the world every year, or just European, and then you went further afield, or? How, how did it work? Well, as I said, we did thirteen
2: world tours yeah. in my twenty-five years with the yeah. band, <clears throat> but we did other tours, obviously of um, of Europe and. Uh, yeah. uh, what well, I, I let's put it like this: I've been on every continent, with the exception of Antarctica. Right. And I'm not too bothered about that. No, of course. <laughs> no,
0: not without a good coat.
2: I can't say every country, because yeah, there's yeah. countries about now that I've never mm. heard of. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Which used course. to be called something else. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um also, well, I can remember, obviously, seeing Kenny Ball and, uh, and his jazz band on the TV. That's so, all right, yeah. yeah. so, any memorable TV uh, Well, you you, you you
2: may have seen them on the Morgan Memoirs. But that came to an end just about when I started. Oh, Eric was was ill, and he he stopped doing it before he died. Um, But we did a couple of things with Ernie as a tribute to the Morgan and Myers thing, Um, and one of them was at the Palladium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we played. I played at the Palladium three or four times. Right, right. This, that, and the other. Um, Mainly. uh, royal Command things you see yeah yeah the yeah the first one I did was in 79 was with Princess Margaret right she Fantastic. was there and there's, I've got a picture on my piano at home of us being presented to uh, to Princess Margaret the whole band oh, right. you know which yeah. was nice yeah, yeah nice yeah. thing to do mm. we played at Buckingham Palace we played there for, it was a pre-wedding ball for Charles and Diana right wow I'm allowed to say that now, am I? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good. yeah, yeah. It's
0: awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's some great sort of memories there, isn't there? So, uh,
2: yeah.
0: I think you used to do something on Pebble Mill, didn't you, John?
2: Well, <laughs> yes, it, it was Saturday Night at the Mill. And this was a six year period. And I think it was from, uh, it was, I think it started in 77 and went on to 82, mm-hmm. something like that. yeah. yeah. And um, the, Michael Parkinson was on before us, uh, and he did 16 w- weeks for six years. Or we might, That might have been longer, I don't know. Uh-huh. But we did six years of 16 weeks. So when the Parkinson show finished, Saturday night The Mill came on, and we were booked as the resident band right. <coughs> who played... Played the show, the opening yeah, thing yeah. for the for the uh, for the uh, show, and also we had a feature number. <clears throat> but if any of the the guests um, fancied singing with the band, who did something in our idiom, mm. yeah. we would do that. Oh right, okay, um, which was fine. Spike Milligan was on once. Oh fantastic! And he'd written this little rock and roll thing. You see, oh brilliant. And it was called Sticky on My Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it was a child's thing, you see. Right. And all the kids were, that were young, they used to love that. They used to be glued to it because it goes, Sticky on my fingers, sticky on my toes, sticky in my knickers. And that's the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> Did you get to meet Spike mm. in the mm. John? Yes, I did, but... I've got a sort of wry sense of humour and <laughs> I don't always laugh out loud about things, mm. although I might think it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, And he just finished his bit, I think it was during a rehearsal when he was on. And uh, most of the guys had gone and I was taking my time, laying the bass down, making sure it wasn't in the way and taking the plug outs. So yes, it was making a noise. And um, he said uh, said to me, haven't I mean, you got a sense of humour? <laughs> and I said, yes, if something's funny. And it went, <laughs> he went, Dump! and ran off to the bar. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. So, oh. But it was no harm intended. No, Because no, no, I did no. like him very much. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's but I, it probably tainted his view of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so take us, John, take us for an average day of when you're doing those pebble mill shows from start to finish. How, how, how did it work?
2: Well, we used to get there about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The show went out at about 11. It varied slightly, oh, wow. you see. Yeah. And during that time, you know, you had to go in there for uh, the dress rehearsal, you had to do it for camera, for lights, for sound. So there was four or five times you had to go up and do the same tune, you see. Yeah. And most of the time we were spent either playing snooker upstairs, right. which was next door to the bar. We were... <laughs> We used to play... Oops <laughs> oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> we used to play darts as well. We oh, used to play yeah, okay. this Mickey Mouse thing. I don't know if you know it is. It's not just a straight guy. You go around the clock with it. Oh, see. right, okay. Anyway, that, another thing comes to mind. Um, what's his name? Um, Freddie oh, yeah, came oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. with one of his gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> and they came up and stood at the bar and they were watching us playing darts, you see. And I was on the hockey... And this gorilla come up and went, yeah. he said, he said, uh, I he said uh, Freddie wants to play. So I looked at him. I said, get him to chalk his number up, his name up, and he can. Yeah. And he stormed off. They drank up and left. <laughs> <laughs> the point being, we're all there, of course, yeah, uh, of as course. entertainers on the show. Yeah, what right has he got to demand something?
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. right. I
2: mean, most guys have come up and say. What right, if I join the lads? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Of but he was a frustrated rock and roll singer, as you probably know. Mm. Yeah. Well, I didn't and, know uh, that, but. Um, you, oh, well, yes, he uh, was. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. he reckons himself very, as a bit of an obvious, you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I've seen him do guy, the Elvis impressions. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very funny, Elvis.
2: Yeah. Very, very but funny. But I, mean, oh, yeah. I mean, other people were there. I mean, like Oliver Reed. Wow. And, Did he um, leave the bar? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, who was it was the uh, I can't remember his name. The, the guy who used to play the piano badly. Les uh, Dawson. Les Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, yeah. All the all the celebrities were booked in the top hotel. You see, was we stayed at the Stress Strathalmond, which was a, a four star hotel, you know, and not far out of town. Hmm. And uh, I remember Les and Oliver Reed. They always used to say to the, you know, the, whoever booked them in the, the uh, this spronty hotel, that I want to stay with the lads in the Strathallon, so can right. you book me a room there?
3: Because
2: yeah. they knew when we got back at about midnight, the piano player used to go on the Joanna, you see, mm. and we used to have a sing-song. Right. Oh,
3: right. And,
2: um, and at some time, like 3 o'clock in the morning, someone of say, oh, look, we just got time if you want to curry at the Mumtaz at, at four ways <laughs> yeah. and we also trudge off to there which is the next roundabout down yeah. and have a curry at. Nice. get back about half past four or five in the morning yeah. go to bed wake up just in time for Tizwas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: fantastic
2: and then we had a heart starter in the bar you see yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that. a rock and roll lifestyle. That is
0: an absolute <laughs> rock and roll lifestyle. Well, it was, yeah. you know.
2: I mean, all musicians are similar in as much. as yeah, uh, of, of course. course. We all yeah. have the same desires for, for mm. certain things at certain times. And, mm. you know, I mean, classical musicians as well. Mm. I, one of my pickup uh, places was at Potter's Bar. And I remember being befriended by this lead uh, uh, viola player um, from the... English National Orchestra, I believe it was. And just talking over you know, just chit chat. Chit-chat. We had the same ideas and requirements, you know mm. from from work and life. Yeah, yeah. As everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So did you with on your Say like you tour in the UK, for instance, did uh, like can you have a bus? Then did you have a, like a like a driver and stuff like that? Like a proper tour bus. Well, back in the Well,
2: we or? used to have a great big Mercedes like coach uh, okay. early on, hmm. but we ended up with two um, Mercedes uh, large
1: vans, like splitter vans <clears throat> seating.
2: I can't remember what they were called now. But no, what we what we had is we apportioned the. We had bulkheads put in and a, yeah. a portion the equipment mm. in both vans. We had one south of the river and one north of the river. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, of course, Kenny lived in Essex and I lived in Hertfordshire. So we were together in the, um, mm. in the, uh, the, the north of the river, one, and some of the guys who lived south of the river travelled on that. So we had two sort of roadies, one was a tour manager as well, mm. and the other one was a roadie um, sound engineer. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. But in 1987, uh, Pete Brown, who was the tour manager, roadie, he, we were in Australia, in Perth, and he gave his notice to Ken. He said, well, wasn't so much notice. He said, when we get back, I'm going to have to leave because... Um, I feel I'm getting too old to do all this now. Mm. He was 40. (laughs) (laughs) It seems a bit ridiculous to be now. So shortly after that, Ken asked me Mm. if I would be interested in doing it. Because when we're on the road, a musician's life is having to waste about a lot and then have someone telling you to hurry up. Mm. So... (laughs) I took it upon myself to help Pete go down to the gig early yeah. and set all the gear up and, yeah. you know, I could do all that. Yeah. So Ken knew I could do all that anyway mm. and yeah, what the requirement was, you see. So I said to him, well, yes, I said, I don't mind doing that, but what about setting up my gear? He said, well, we get a we get a, a driver, a sound engineer, and part of his job can be to set up your equipment. Okay. So, you know, give you a chance to speak to front the front house and et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of it, you know, pick up the cheque or whatever so he could set you up and back you away, you know, afterwards. So, and um, so the last 15 years I was with him, I did all that. Yeah. Plus the fact he recognised the fact that I was a bit of a diplomat you see, okay. okay, Dr. Kissinger, you see. <laughs>
1: and, um, <laughs> you, you, start, you have to be in a band sometimes. <laughs> oh,
2: yes. And anyway, it, it came very useful when, I mean, Ken never liked speaking about money, you see. Right. He didn't mind speaking to one person, like right. me, about it. But sometimes the guys would get a bit uh, uppity if they thought he was being awkward and pulling a fast one you mm, see yeah and i would take them aside and say look guys what you're not taking into account ken has to supply these vehicles he has to buy two guys to to to, yeah, to, to drive them they have to be serviced he's got an office to pay for it's 10 or 15% that all has to come out as a fee mm. before anyone gets paid Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. Mm. And adversely, if I thought Ken was pulling a fast one, I would say, look, I think you're being a bit unreasonable here, Ken, you know, blah, blah. Mm. And nine times out of ten, he'd say, yeah, I think you're right, John. Okay. Mm. So it worked quite well. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah.
0: That's good that he recognised that as well, you know. Absolutely. Well yes. Yeah, no, that's good.
2: Well he he, he's known me for a long time already, you see. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of
0: course. And how long did you say? Fifteen years you I I, I
2: did that, but I was with him twenty five years, but the first ten years, you know, I was just a bass player. Yeah, yeah. Being told to wait and then hurry up. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah. so in, in your situation but, but in the earlier days you all had to set everyone sets their own gear you didn't have a crew to set generally gear. speaking yeah right, but okay.
2: when I used yeah, to okay. help um, Pete to set up I mean I'd get uh, Ron's kit out hmm. and set it all up he once said to me you know, you're the you're the only right roadie who sets it up right.
1: Yeah, I know because <laughs> drummers are very particular about oh, how yeah. their kits are set. He,
2: he, he might have had to readjust something, yeah, but you know, it's a little bit. they were bit. all in the right place and yeah. roughly the right height. You know,
1: great. So, do do they have memory locks on the drums? Things like that. What's that? But you know, they, they you can memory lock the heights of things nowadays. No, I do. So no the tom on, and it just it's where mm. it is the same time. Every time. Now, is this
2: computerized? Or no, no, memory? no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's drums. It's really simple. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> it has no, to be. No, they're just little <laughs> things we have on the Freddie section or, or yeah. in, on the post where you put your Tom and and it just, you, you stick it on, it's memory locked in place. So it's just, every time you put it on, it's the same place. Simon, like that. I but they didn't have that. I can't console. remember. No, no. Was so, it a four so, piece kit you had? You remember yes. That? Yeah, yeah. One floor, uh, Two
2: Toms, Snare, and a. Uh, a yeah. bass
1: drum. They there call it go. a kick drum now, don't they? That's right, yeah. That's yeah.
2: irritating, that. <laughs> if you don't kick it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and actually, I don't know what they call it a kick drum. Yeah, but they weird. do. It, it, yeah, they do call we, it a kick that is, drum.
0: That is a bit... Yeah, you're right, actually, isn't it? Yeah. That's a strange thing, isn't it? I'm
1: sure there's a reason for it, but... Um, well, by the sound of some of them, it sounds like they're kicking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kicking them hard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, John, i
0: when the 25 years you're with Kent, did yep. you do any recording? Did, did he, uh, oh, loads of it? Loads so where, of where, it. Whereabouts, um, did you record any particular place of, you know in London? Well, yeah,
2: much? we started off Pie Studios in okay. London. Whereabouts was that? Pie Studios? Oh, god, I can't remember. There was another one at Euston, yeah, um, not far from Euston Station. Now, I can remember. We'd just finished recording. This was about midnight. We listened to some of the tracks. And the roadie came running up and said, someone's broken in the band bus. Mm. Oh, and they'd, I think they'd stolen a, a drum or something and they stole my Fender Precision. Ah. Oh. Oh. I never thought I'd ever see that again. And so we had a Pebble Mill coming up. This was about 1980. Pebble Mill coming up and there was uh, in Birmingham... There was a music shop there that we, we all used mm. when in Birmingham, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked at this fretless double bass. It was a, a mayor, not double bass, a fretless precision bass. Mm. Uh, it was a mayor, I believe. I thought, well I've never tried a fretless before. I've, I've got one of those. And I bought it and within about four days I had a phone call and it was police. Uh, London, Albany Street uh, Station, or Albany Street Nick, if you like, mm-hmm. invited me to come and have a look at my bass guitar. Right. And so I went down and lo and behold, it was, it was there. Wow. But our roadie had the common sense when it was stolen to go to go down Denman Street in, in London where all the guitar shops were. and Street. Andy's, Andy's guitar workshop. Yeah. And Andy was in there when this guy walked in and it was like a wedge-shaped case with all these stickers on it, you see, which the roadie had described. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as we went in, the the, the uh, guy came in and he said, all right, let's have a look at it. So he opened it up, he grabbed hold of it and he said, won't be a moment. And he went out the back, you see. By the time he come back, he had scarpered.
1: Hmm. You know. The guy wasn't very savvy, was he? Oh, no. no. <laughs> obviously
2: not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so that's how I got it back.
1: So, John, a little bit earlier, we were talking about recording and your, um, the band recording. What was the, what was the process for, you, for the band to record? Because obviously, everyone does it in a different way. Sure. Well, I think maybe the, the main difference is that we
2: recalled much as they did yesteryear. I mean, we all had our own microphone, but for jazz to sound real, you've got to be playing it together. Yeah. Mm. So it's not a question really of laying things on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. So we had to get a good balance in the studio and it helped if you could do it in the first take. There was a certain amount of editing, but when I first went into it, they were still, it was still done unreal to real, the eight and a quarter inch mm. things, and they were splicing the tape. It improved oh. very quickly Yeah. then, because obviously you couldn't edit very good like that, but when they had proper editing facilities, well then if someone played a bum note... And it really bothered them. It was possible for them to just, drop just that sec- section drop in the right one. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, but that's it. But most of it was like a live recording. Wow. The only thing that was put on afterwards would be if it was a vocal.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: You know, if it was just one one lead vocal, well then whoever was doing that would go in the box themselves and do it. But if there was backing singers well, then there's a, in another uh, room that's if there were three of you, you know, sound like three degrees. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So then they could mix that, you see.
1: So you, you, so the, like the bass drums, guitar, or mm. Trumpet, whatever. Were, mm. were you all in one room?
2: There were lots of screens,
1: but between screens or sort right. splitting you up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, soundproof screens. So you all had a headphone mix. Th- these sort of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you had a headphone mix, and were you oh, reading? Yes. Were you reading? I used past? to have one on and one off. Oh, okay. Because I used yeah. to have my amp, so yeah. I
2: could hear that.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, well, it, it seemed to work anyway. Yeah, yeah. We did those of recordings.
1: And were sure. you were you reading the parts when you recorded, or were you, they were memorised?
2: Well, uh, most things are by a, a memory, but if we're doing something different, I might have a chord chart or something to prompt. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's all
1: good. Yeah, I so, it's the yeah. old school way of doing stuff. Yeah, but that's I, right. I think it's yeah. still the best. I mean, you got you got to play well, real. You got to play well as a band, of course. But mm. it's, it's it's yeah, you're exactly right. It's real.
2: Yeah. Well, even with
1: Dixie yeah. Mix. we
2: record like that
1: yeah fantastic we use
2: that little studio in Beckles
1: oh yeah Drill Hall
2: Drill Hall Hall, Drill Hall yeah Yeah. yeah. it was Alex isn't it
0: I don't know the gentleman but I know the Drill Hall so you know the drill
2: yes
3: (laughs) yes so
0: those those recordings then uh, so did Ken have a or were we going to do an album every year or did like were they just singles were there any hits from your time recording with with (laughs) Kenny Rowling
2: well, that's an interesting thing. Um, a lot of the re- recordings that were sold in the shops, uh, I mean, obviously they were on LPs to start yes. with. Yes, but, And then we had cassettes that came out and then CDs. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, to start with, were old recordings as a band. Right. Right. Um, and then, of course, I, I started... Coming in on them, so that included me. Yeah, a bit later on, but it occurred to me that um, at some juncture it must have been it must have been shortly after I took over doing the admin. I suggested to Kim, look, "We've got a lot of things from yesteryear that we do that are on record." Yeah, and I said, "But we've got nothing." Representing the band now. So, not knowing there was a now series of pop music mm-hmm. <clears throat> on things thing, we decided Kenny Bourne is Jazz Men Now. Right. And it was things that we've either never played before or haven't played for years. And um, I used to book a studio. I'm desperately trying to think where it was now. Uh, <laughs> mm. It was in Hertfordshire anyway. Oh, okay. Um, and we used to go along and record this thing. And the first one was now. Mm. And then we had a now two, mm. a now three, <laughs> and we had a now four.
3: Right.
2: I don't know if we went, Oh, we went now millennium. We had that as yeah. well. Yeah. And we had other things which weren't anything to do with well, they were still now, but they weren't yeah, called yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. Called. yeah, yeah, So, I mean, there's loads of them, yeah. Right, fantastic. Really. And when uh, I left Ken, um, we'll probably speak more about this later, but I formed a band called, um, uh, it, what did I call it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the uh, oh, the best British jazz. Ah, yeah. yes. And uh, what it was, it was four guys that were with the well-known bands like obviously Kenny, Acker, Chris Barber, um, Humphrey Littleton. They'd all worked. You know, John Crocker was on it. He used to be with. Um, I just said his name, I've forgotten it now. Anyway, n- n- no, no, but we had uh, his okay. piano player, okay. Barber. Um, Chris Barber, Barber. that's yeah. it. John, John yeah. was with Chris Barber. And um, we had Colin Wood, who I've known since 1968, who was with Acker. Uh, he was in it as well. And we had um, two guys who weren't with any of those bands, but the youngest guy, he was a great friend of mine now, uh, Graham Woodhouse, who lives in Derby. He used to look uh, look after our pension books with us see well, <laughs> <laughs> so and we did two recordings with them as well. Oh, fantastic! Right. and did you yeah. tour with
0: with the Rest of British Jazz?
2: Yes, but the the, the trouble was we lived dotted all over the place ah, you see right. it ended up the the um, drummer who was with the band for, I think he only ran for about 10 years uh, he he lived in Exeter mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh, the clarinet um, uh, sax player yeah uh, he lived in um, where's Shakespeare Stratford-on-Avon Stratford right? yeah yeah um And uh, the the two other guys lived both sides of London, and there was Graham in Derbyshire, and me stuck over almost in Holland. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why the guys used to, years ago, live in the Potter's Bar area of. of Hertfordshire. Mm. I mean, even Acker moved from the West country to there, the Potter's bar. Right. You think of it before the motorways were finished. We had the A1. we going North to South. Yeah. You had the A5. You had the A6. Mm. And down South, you had the A4 going to the West country. You had the A2 and the A3 and the A20. Mm. So you were central England. Yeah. From here, You've got a two hour run to get to central England. Yeah, you have. yeah, that's yes, right, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I didn't move here until 2000. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I told you we, um, I think I told you earlier that uh, I discovered the area in the hot summer of 76. Yeah, yeah, and well, I was how, looking how at it, things how, then, you how see. How did it
1: happen then? Why were you here?
2: 76. Right, well, what happened was um, I'd, I'd been on the road for like 35 years. Mm. We were still living in uh, Hertfordshire and um, we used to come here a lot because I had a static caravan I in, in Alborough oh, okay. and that was a little bolt hole, you see, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and new people bought the, the, the caravan site and uh, Luton caravans and all they were interested in was selling new caravans you see well my caravan was an old um, gas mantle thing right. you know with no facilities you have to go to cell block H for your ablutions you know <laughs> <laughs> but I'd worked up to one of the best plots now you've got no rights because you're just renting that plot mm-hmm. and it occurred to me this was in 1999 That um, if I didn't buy a new caravan, that that plot would be given to a new caravan and I'd be turfed off somewhere else. Mm. So from that point, that reasoning, I bought a new caravan, not a particularly expensive one. It was only like 10,000 then, but they're vastly more than that now. But we had our own facilities, so you didn't. It was nice not having to go to Cell Block H for your ablutions. <laughs> so you had them all on board, you see. Yeah. Little did I know that six months later we'd be moving here. Uh-huh. But the reason that we moved is that I wanted to hang up my suitcase. Right. And awesome. I was going to pack up playing. Right. And I thought, well, what can I do? Mm. So margaret in uh, jenny jones estate agent in uh Alburgh, she saw this ex Adnams pub up for sale you see mm. so i said well, let's go and have a look it's only up the road so we drove up it was in one hell of a state because it had been closed up since about 97 everything was overgrown and whatever mm. but i walked all around it had a good look and went, out, went back to the garavan i had ideas in my mind. He went back home, and a, a builder friend of mine in Hertfordshire. I said, Look, "I found this place up in uh, Suffolk near Southwold. Would you come up and give it the once over?" You see. So he said, "Sure, yeah." So he came up. He took it all around He found little things. He was saying this, that, and the other. And I said, "So." What do you think? He said, Well, subject to getting those sorted out, yeah, it's a pretty sound buy. So I said, Well, I was thinking about it. He said, Well, let's put it like this. If you don't buy it, I will. <laughs> right. Well, there you but go. That was good enough for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which was I the old Brampton dog. Yeah. I didn't yeah, yeah. have a survey nope. or anything. No. Nope. I bought it purely on that basis. Fantastic. Because, yeah. Because you know what? And then I had to carry these plans out. I thought, well, if you know, I didn't want to get, like, an office job and having some spotty face used to telling me what to do. And what can you do after a lifetime of just playing music? Mm. You're virtually unemployable. So I, th- I thought, well, you've, I've stayed in every type of accommodation from theater digs up to five-star hotels. Mm. We'll I have a little guest house, three-room guest house that Margaret and I can manage ourselves, mm. and I'll become the local Basil Fortis, yes. you see? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's how so started. Hey, yeah. Is Margaret Sybil? Oh yes. All right. Do you yes. have a Manuel?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm Manuel. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> See, one thing I'd like to ask you. Um, Some place I would have loved to have played. Um, Ronnie Scott's. I expect you. have oh, I. expect you played Ronnie Scott's a lot. Yeah.
2: We did a couple of weeks there. Towards the end of my tenure, really. But we did one. They used to have a a club in Birmingham as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, and um, I can remember we were on the same bill as George Melly there. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I knew knew George anyway. Yeah, yeah. I knew all these guys. We were like one big family on the road, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. You you asked me earlier about the tours. Yeah. We used to do... um, about every 18 months, we used to do a, a three-band tour. Okay, yeah. I mean, it was always Kenny and Acker and um, the, the guy whose name I keep forgetting is terrible. Chris Barber. Chris Barber. Why do I keep forgetting? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: He's very unforgettable, obviously. <laughs> well, <you laughs> it
2: gets like this when you get to my age. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, you nearly there, aren't
1: you, son? I
2: think so. Yeah, that's exactly. already. Yeah. So um, anyway, but Chris had a lot of commitments in yeah, yeah. in West Germany, you see. So he, he dropped out after the, the first one, which was successful. I think it was about 17 gigs, but it grew. It was always Acker and ourselves and a different third band. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have people like um, George Melly, Humphrey Littleton.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We'd have... Um, Kenny Baker. Oh, right. You remember Kenny Baker's dozen? Kenny Baker's half dozen? Dozen, yeah. And I first met um, uh, Jack Parnell. who oh, was yeah. on drums with him. Yeah, yeah. And Jack Parnell moved to Southwold yeah, right? yes, yes, in, yes, in yes, an ex yeah. pub wow. a, about 10 or 15 years before me. Yeah, yeah, I, re- yeah.
1: I remember him being in Southwold. Yeah, yeah. A, a charming man. He
2: was a gentleman. Yeah. He really yeah. was, you yeah. know. Yeah. Fabulous musician. Oh, yes but of course he he hosted the um, the orchestra on Saturday, Saturday, sunday night in london play yeah. because Parnell was his uncle he was the impresario right yeah. yeah yeah right but yes. we did we did a lot lot on the road together so ha, ha, who
1: who decided who went on first second <laughs> third whatever
2: it was generally that. decided yeah. by everyone that ken should wind up the show okay because we had quite a bit of fire and enthusiasm in the band. In fact, on the first one that Kenny Baker did with us, uh, I remember him standing after about the first three gigs where they had just had a a moderate reception because they were playing more like... um, uh, middle-of-the-road jazz, very mainstream, things okay. like that. Yeah. But the, the, they were traditionalists, the, the audience, you see. Now, I remember seeing him standing in the wings listening. And the next night, they came on with an entirely different programme and went down a storm because oh. they were playing the music that the punters wanted to hear.
0: Ah, yeah. right.
2: So there's something to be learned from that. They had the ability to do it they were all great musicians and they just slotted in you see it's only in this country that we pigeonhole things Mm. you see in the late 50s and the early 60s there was all sorts of music going obviously there was folk music there was skiffle there was rock and roll there was modern jazz there was traditional jazz you name it yeah yeah and and all these had separate fans and never the twain shall meet, you see. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't until I first went to Australia and there was this lovely trumpet player called Bob Bernard who's got like a Chicago traditional band and his brother Len Bernard who's got a jazz funk band mm. called Galapagos Duck. <laughs> great name. And, what a great name. But all the... all the you know, yeah. That type of thing. And I remember that all the musicians in both bands could depth for each other. Mm. That wouldn't have happened here because mm. we were all in that little niche. But I recognise it because I'd done like rock music and things like that. Mm. You know, I was probably more capable of of doing that. Yeah, yeah than course. being able to slot in. Yeah, of yeah. course. Apart from the fact I wouldn't know their repertoire, you know, but no. the, the feel of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. It's, and, uh, it's interesting it's, you to yeah. say that because a lot of my, my favourite kind of drummers are the older drummers uh, yeah. I like, say I take a Buddy band Buddy Rich like, might be. well every drummer loves Buddy Rich and yeah. they're just incredible but um, I'm, I'm talking like a band like Focus have you heard of Focus yeah well yeah. They're, they're, in their sound checks they play jazz cause, yeah. and, and I can tell have yeah, they got a floatist they have yeah, and Pierre it. van der Linden the drummer yeah. is an incredible jazz player an incredible player. and they're the kind of that swing and that feel has been lost in a lot of modern just in my opinion in a lot of modern rock bands they, they don't play like that anymore it's, a, it's changed it's a different feel now it's well here. there was a great yeah. sort
2: of fusion of jazz in the exactly. midst of of 60s rock and music 70s, yeah. in the mid 60s yeah, yeah. like zoot money for example yeah, yeah and um alan price yeah. Uh, and, and Geordie Fame, yeah. and they all got front-line musicians, and a lot of these musicians were with the jazz bands yeah. of that era as yeah, well. Yeah. Mike Cotton, for example, who did 20 Years with uh, Acker, yeah. he used to do, with the Kinks. Uh, they had a front-line section, you know,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. but he did... Things with other bands as well, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: And he, he was more known for that at that time than his own band because he started off with um, uh, Mike Cotton's Jazzmen, yeah, and then Mike Cotton's, uh, I don't know what you called it after that. But he had right. several sort of levels mm. levels of um, yeah of of uh, approach to it. But yeah, Mike Cotton is a is a great harp player. I'm right. talking about harmonica. Okay, you know, right. not a not that. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he, I had him in this best of the British jazz uh, ah, cool. a, a band as well. And he always used to do a feature, uh, Kansas City, right, on his uh, uh, harmonica. It's to bring the house down because it wow. was totally different from everything else we'd done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of rhythm, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, it's. um
0: like shuffle,
2: shuffle. shuffle. Yeah. That's what I was trying to yeah, think like of. Shuffle, shuffle yeah, 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 yeah. Like the way I walk. Yeah, <laughs> yes,
0: indeed, yeah. Well, a lot of the great rock drummers—they're all jazzers, aren't you, Simon? Let's be honest. Well, yes. On Mick
2: Avery was with the yeah. Kinks. Was yeah, that that's one. right. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, Brian Downey's a jazzer. Mm-hmm. They're all the Stones. Pace-y. the
2: Stones. The Stones. Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts. Yeah. yeah.
1: Ginger Baker. Ginger no, Baker. Another. Another. We're kind of talking about the older guys. I don't know about so many modern guys. I mean, no. He was a great jazz drummer? Uh, was it Phil Seaman?
2: Phil Seaman, yeah. I mean,
1: he, he was high on the old. Uh, I know, I yeah. heard that. He didn't look, He didn't live to a great age, yeah. did he? But I heard yeah. he was amazing. Someone has told me. Oh how yes, incredible. yes, he
2: was. He was probably a uh, finest player. Yeah. In, in fact, um, the drummer with Cream, Ginger Baker. Ginger, Ginger Baker, Baker. Yeah. He used to. I think, go to Phil f- for lessons early on. Right. And then he had a band with, Phil's, uh, with Phil in the band, so there were two drummers in it, but I can't oh, remember okay. what that was oh, called. yeah,
0: what was that? It that, some was, time in that, that was, was split-off after cream, wasn't yes,
1: it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, there's a, there was a Baker Gervitz, but wouldn't have been that old. No. That was that, Baker uh, Gervitz Army, wasn't it? Yeah. What they called Air or something like that. Yeah, something
0: like that. In your yeah. Baker's Air Force, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you're right, Simon. It yeah. was something like that. Yeah.
1: But I know that uh, Phil Seaman, I've read a book on him, and I uh, think his diet was pretty much drugs, alcohol, and fish fingers, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was, sounds about right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In that order.
1: Yeah. Wow. More he, Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, John, you decided then to. Um, so, I like to bring you up to the where we are today. Um, so, you moved up to the area. You decided thirty something years that that's me done. I'm going to do something else. You've now, you've now reinvented yourself as a East Anglian Basil Faulty yeah. <laughs> at the old Brampton Dog, and um, but then all of a sudden you decide. Oh, you get a call from. Dixie Mix, guys?
2: Well, st- slightly before that. Okay. Slightly well, okay. before that, if I may interrupt.
0: And of course.
2: After about six months of not playing, I played all my life. I know. I was going to ask you that. How do you stop? Yeah. Well, I now realise, well, I did shortly after, that. I was in my 50s then. I was too young to make that decision. Mm. So I've already added... 20 years to my playing, ah, <laughs> plus, man. you know. Yeah, of
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. course. Um,
2: but I'm hanging on by my fingernails because since the pandemic, the work sort of went out the
0: Yeah. Just well, went
2: out the window. And what I'm having trouble with is these long periods of several months over the winter mm. of not playing. Mm. And ever since that, when we started playing again, I think to myself, right, I'll try the first one that Simon sends me, you yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Because that's basically all I do now is with Dixie Mix. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if it goes all right, I'll keep with it. Yeah. If it doesn't, I'll say, look, I don't think I'm coping with this. Um, yeah. Might be an idea for you to replace me, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, anyway, to start with, to keep, get myself playing again, I can remember doing you know when the Southwold Jazz Festival was on in yeah. the, um, on the pier yeah. in the ballroom yeah I remember doing a few of them and and South Green as well on the back mm-hmm. of an Adam's lorry yeah mm-hmm. I put a few bands there I was getting guys up you know from, from London or North London mm-hmm. you know the guys that I, I met uh, knew over the years you know from the bands I've been speaking about mm. And obviously, having to give them telling them what it's worth because it's you know a, a trek for them, mm. but it was okay. We, we even in house with did the one at the um Cut, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, the cup three, yeah, three there, you see. Nice little theater, that. yeah. So, I was doing things like that, yeah. And uh, I got to, to meet um, a local girl singer, um, what was her name now? Um. I don't know. Anyway, no. anyway, we. Um, I did. I remember doing a gig with uh, with Simon's band. Yeah, yeah. And nice um, player, Simon. Oh, lovely player! Yes,
0: he yeah. does a lot now. In does fact, I
2: got him with this best of British thing on trumpet to start oh, with before right. I got Mike. Okay. You see? Okay. But he he didn't want to carry on with it because he had too many other fingers in the pie. You see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, I did this gig. It was an outdoor gig. I remember and i got home i said to margaret well i don't know about this you know they don't seem to be into jazz particularly well i said but i'll give it another go uh, the second time there simon said to the rest of the guys look look at john <laughs> what he tells you to do just do yep and that's how it started. Right. I was getting them to break things up, you know, having tacits here, there and everywhere and and doing three beats of the bar and signaling when all this was going to be happening. Yeah. And it gave the band some format. Right. And I introduced the, the black um, suits and... Bright red shirts, shirts yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it gave us some sort of identity.
0: I'll just tell our uh, mm. listeners us uh, yeah. if anybody knows Simon Nelson is his name. If people yeah. didn't realise us, Simon mm. Nelson. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, he's oh, a good player, very good player. But yeah. the, the whole band the is the whole is good. good. Oh, Kevin yeah. West is good. We, we both know yeah. Kevin really yeah, well, yeah, very well. But, you know,
2: but the, the drummer Tony Tony yeah, Wilkes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he was a guitar player.
1: Oh, was he? But oh, they're, right.
2: because they're old friends, um, and Tony said, well, I don't, know what, uh, I don't know what I can do in the band. So Simon said, well, I'm, I'm looking for a drummer. He said, I'll do that because <laughs> he sells musical yeah, equipment. He's he does. He does, yeah, a yeah. A wholesaler, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he probably had a kit at home anyway. And I think he'd only, did, when this first time I started playing with him, I think um, Tony was still a bit of a novice there, which probably tainted my initial opinion. My opinion. But he's a bloody good player now. Yeah, 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 he really is.
0: So what a surprise was it then when Simon said, "We've had a call, and we're going to be playing with Rod Stewart because you supported him on his." Well, how, I mean, that—that that is. How did that come about?
2: Well, I think Simon. Um, Knew that they had uh, different sort of support bands on, Mm. and I think he made a few inquiries, and he had to go along for some sort of um, meeting with them. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, when it all came out and we did the first one, they were all football stadiums. You know, Mm. up and down there There was about seven, I think, up and down the country. And uh, don't don't ask me what they were. I don't know much about football. (laughs) <laughs> but it's the first time I played in a football stadium. and They're right, massive, fantastic. Yeah, you know. yeah,
0: yeah, and sponsored by <clears throat> Woodford Dales.
2: Yes, well, that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that came before or after. Oh, I so. see. Okay. Anyway, we, 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 we <laughs> did yeah. that, and Rod Stewart himself likes things from the American Songbook, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. But people may ask, well, why does he get a Dixieland jazz band? Doing his interval. Well it's easy really, isn't it? He hasn't got any competition not at for all. his fans. Mm. None at all. We try to entertain them and go and singing along and whatever. Yeah. But I remember the guys thinking to themselves, we're well, not thinking of talking about it, oh we've made it now. I said hang on a minute. <laughs> I said we're a support band. That's right. it would probably lead to nothing. Absolutely you've
0: just got to kind of take it for what it is oh yeah
1: it yeah. was great so experience
2: on. exactly
0: yeah
1: so John cu- uh, current plans things you're up to now is obviously the Dixie Mix anything else you, you'd like to do or had ever wanted to do musically which you haven't done
2: well I don't play with any other band yeah at the moment I mean things are coming to an end so far as that's concerned even the b and I don't advertise yeah. anymore. We have a few um, uh, guests who still got my number and they ring yeah, yeah. up. And whilst I'm there, you know, I'll carry on being Basil. Yeah, <laughs> But <fantastic>. uh, <laughs> that's about it, really. Great, okay. You know, I've, uh, I've had a good life. Yeah. And I need to start
1: relaxing a bit. Yeah. Well, I Maybe think he too much. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. yeah. Oh, it's been great to have you, James. Well, John, it's it's been a, yeah, it's
0: been a it's been a real pleasure um, to have a jazzer uh, yeah. and a, and, a, and a
2: tour de force, John. John oh, Benson is a tour de force yeah, on yeah, on the double is. bass. Yeah. I wasn't forced to all. No, no, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> you just enjoyed it too much. <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: So it's yeah, it's been fantastic. And thanks for coming over, John, and and sharing some of your memories from your. A lustrous long career. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I urge any of our listeners to check out the Dixie mix. They, that, that, that jazz is fantastic. They are really good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's been brilliant. So yeah. thank you very much, John yeah. for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure.
1: Well, that was fantastic, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, John, fascinating, you know, yeah. fascinating to, to uh, with Kenny and all them them stories and yeah. uh, you know it's a, it's a completely different genre i've never played jazz
1: no i've studied it a little bit but um, have you yeah but yeah. Obviously, <laughs> not enough <laughs> you obviously didn't learn anything <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so. but um no, it was, it's lovely i'm i'm sure there's so many more stories that um john could talk about but um yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you can't be in the in the industry that long, and no. you know, so no, he, he's great, John, and 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 the Dixie guys are fantastic. You know, yeah. Um, and it was brilliant, and it's been really good. And I yeah. saw, yeah, first one back from our trip. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah, so we haven't really missed him,
1: have we? No, <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, let's not talk, no,
0: no, that's right. Get well great. soon, Danny. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, guys, well, yeah, it's been fantastic. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him.